You're listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogue. Each week we design decks for tournament play. We put our creation to the test and share our findings on the air. On this episode, we'll continue to look at the impact on the cards from the Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle-Earth. Then on the brew session, we'll be looking at Orcish Bowmasters. Is this mob from Mordor the meat that's on the menu for modern? And on the flashback, Chrome Host Seed Shark. How big of a boat do you need? Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Schriever, also known as Cave Dan, and I'm joined today all the way from Toronto, Canada. It's Zach, Mana Symbol Ryle. Zach, welcome. Hey, how's it going? The uh, smoke is back from uh, the wildfires today, so that's exciting. Uh, it looks like uh, maybe the, the fires of Mordor have been working overtime. Yeah, what's going on up there right now? So I understand that the wildfires are just out of control. There's just no way to stop them. I mean, we, we just have to take the ring to Mordor and throw it into the fire, and I'm pretty sure that'll help it all get smoothed mm-hmm. out. But that's an expensive proposition right now. <laughs> yeah, so you guys talked about the $2 million bounty. We did. What I learned today is that there's a hidden bounty, a secret bounty that even I didn't even know about, which is the Magic Online bounty. It turns out that if you open a copy of the One Ring on Magic Online, you can immediately cash it in for what? What like 150 bucks? Is that the current? Looks price? like 150 tickets. And I, um, you know, being a streamer and being someone who wants to make content, I, you know, I, I, I shifted around my Magic collection a little bit, made sure I had enough tickets floating around, and I bought four copies of the One Ring as soon as uh, they were in in the bots, right? Goat bots, uh, MTGO traders, whatever it was, and. Uh, I, I got them for, it was like 35 or 40 tickets a piece, give or take. And I thought, you know, if this is overhyped, this is pretty high. Uh, you know, I'll just be happy if I get 30 back from them at some point. Um, I'm happy to say <laughs> that's uh, that's going to go pretty well for me, I think. Um, but uh, it has been a crazy breakout weekend for the Lord of the Rings set. Yeah. In related news, Zach is retiring. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, his yeah. country home. Four, four he invested copies. heavily in the One Ring last uh, week. Uh, yeah, you can reach me at uh, the Shire, uh, number one forty-two mm. Barrel Lane, uh, mm-hmm. where I'll spend the rest of my life learning to make cheese. <laughs> so we're gonna dig into a little bit of why that's the case, why the One Ring has gotten so popular, so expensive in Magic Online. But the bulk of today's episode is going to be a brew session on a different card. I believe the second most expensive card, second or third, is that? It has been. Um, it's been ping-ponging around a little bit. It's certainly dropped uh, fairly heavily from, from where it was inflated. Um, but I believe it might be the second highest. Orcish Bowmasters. That's right. That is the card of the day. Jockeying, I think, with the Delighted Halfling one drop. But yeah, I mean, these are the cards. These are the breakout cards from Lord of the Rings. Uh, so you're going to be hearing a lot about them. We're going to be spending some time brewing with the Bowmasters today. And if we have a little time at the end, I will tell you about 
some testing I did with Chrome host Seedshark. So that's the plan of attack. Plenty to sink our teeth into, but before we do, just a quick reminder at the top that if you're enjoying the program, if you like what we do here at the Faith is Brewing podcast, the best way to support us is by going to patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. You can make a pledge at any tier you like uh, that goes directly to help support our efforts, also gets you immediate access to our wonderful Discord community and other perks as well. And we have one new patron we would like to welcome today. That is Shepon K. And I apologize for that. Shepon? Shish. Steven. Steve K. Welcome. I looked this up. I, I was so struck by the, I think it's a Polish name. <laughs> but I was like, this, is, this has got to be Steve, right? So it is from the same um, Greek root of Stephanos. But oh, fantastic. The, the consonants are rather alarming to a North American English speaker. <laughs> but welcome to the family. I had to scroll up and I was like, why is like why is Dan being a goof and butchering this? Oh, I see. That's that's tough. That's tough for uh, North Americans. So yeah, One Ring is uh, really up there. I, I grabbed the price list for you and you're right. Uh, Orcish Bowmasters is in second with Delighted Halfling really way behind. And Samwise Gamgee, not... Uh, not quite the uh, big winner that uh, I was. I think some people were hoping him to be. Big winner in our hearts. Big, big winner in the narrative, but uh, maybe not so much on the Magic the Gathering card prices. Strong fourth place at ninety cents. Yes. So, <laughs> a, this is a shocking price chart. The One Ring, hundred and forty. Orcish Bowmasters, forty. Delighted Halfling, sixteen and a half. So that's your gold, silver, and bronze. And just missing the medals at <laughs> 90 cents is Sam Weisgamgee at 90 cents. Yeah, that's uh, that's something else. Uh, but if you want copies of Flame of Anor, um, that is a certainly playable card. Lots and lots of blue-red and uh, blue-red X shells have been uh, at least managing to trophy and uh, kind of further down in challenge results. So if you want to get your Snapcaster mages out, go for it. Uh, Spellstunder Sprite is a modern playable card that is also a wizard. And um, then you've got Dreadhorde Arcanist, and uh, there's a few more other options, Nimble Obstructionist, things like that. So if you want to play something that's just awesome with uh, the Flame of Anor, you can certainly do so okay zach so tell me about the one ring what's going on with this i know we have to get to the bowmasters but the one ring is all over my twitter feed it's all everyone's talking about the price is through the roof what's going on well i mean first of all it's a colorless card i mean that's it can be played by literally any deck in modern now obviously there is the limiting factor of it's a four mana sorcery speed card uh, but it turns out that the way the meta was constructed as we headed into the weekend, um, there weren't a lot of people with good exile-based removal, um, and the people who had it already had well-positioned meta decks. Things like Creativity has lots of exile-based removal between Leyline Binding and Prismatic Ending, and so does uh, one of the big breakout decks heading into the weekend, which is the uh, like the four-color Omnath pile. That deck got to pick up both Delighted Halfling and the One Ring, And I think a lot of people were kind of slating this to be, like, the deck of the weekend. Uh, That was not the case. I mean, it did fine, and there's lots of results with it. Um, But it didn't win any of the challenges, I think. Um, Not 100% on all of them. I had them up. But... uh but uh, surprisingly, there were some other decks that manages managed to uh, get some challenge wins. So uh, Corey Baumeister brought back uh, Grinding Breach, blue-red Grinding Breach, playing uh, the One Ring. 
I believe it was three copies in the main deck there. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the neat things about this is that you're actually playing Emery Lurker of the Lock. So you can cast a one ring out of your graveyard to not only reset the one ring and play, quote unquote, um, but because you're casting it, you do get the cast trigger and the invulnerability. So uh, that is an interesting interaction that I don't think we touched on before. Um, and then, of course, winning with Thassa's Oracle rather than Grape Shot uh, may be a nod to the fact that you need to beat other people who are uh, invulnerable with their copy of the ring having just resolved. That's fascinating. Okay, so that, that trigger, when the one ring enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you gain protection from everything until your next turn. I think when this card was previewed, I didn't really have a strong sense of how important that clause was. What's your sense of it now? Well, the crazy thing about it, and the reason that this card is doing as well as it is, I think, because um, it's a four-mana sorcery speed card, right? Uh, that's that's a <sighs> high bar to pass in Modern. However, a lot of the decks that are playing it have some way to accelerate their mana a little bit. The deck we just talked about is playing Mox Ambers and Springleaf Drums and Creatures and Ragavans, right? Um, but then we've also got um, the Omnath deck, which is a delighted halfling deck. And another challenge winner from the weekend was Zerk playing, for, uh, playing Golgari Yogmoth. And in that deck, there's uh, plenty of early game mana to rush out this one ring. And the thing about that invulnerability clause is that gives you time to draw the first three cards off this, right? One on the first cycle, you lose one life, and then your next upkeep, and then you draw two more cards. In addition, you draw your card for the turn. Um, and there are a lot of decks that can do a lot of damage with that amount of time and that amount of cards in modern. Uh, Yawgmoth certainly seems to be one of them right i mean you can imagine um you know your yawgmoth opponent just being able to go from very little resources to all of a sudden you know rebuilding quite uh, an army despite any efforts that you made previous to that moment so just to clarify you gain protection from everything Correct. that only protects your, your life total and you being targeted yes right it doesn't it doesn't protect your permanence from being destroyed not in any way Okay, so if they want to use this turn that you spent casting the one ring to pick off your creatures or exile your one ring or something, they're perfectly fine to do that. Yes. Uh, that is one of the reasons why um, there has been some discussion between some players. I've, I've seen some amount of discourse about um, playing Karn the Great Creator and One Ring in the same deck is a thing you can do. Um, putting a One Ring in your wish board is a thing you can do. But when you play Karn, wish for a One Ring and put the One Ring into play, basically your Karn is going to die in, in most decks that are doing that. Um, hmm. you're just you're just putting a Karn into play that's going to die. So it's like playing a seven mana copy of the One Ring. So there is an idea that you just just put the fourth copy in the deck rather than in the sideboard. Um, time will tell if that is you know one direction or the other uh, ends up being the the obviously correct one. So I guess the other big question from seeing all these different decks jamming three four copies of the One Ring, like a deck like Grinding Breach or especially Yogmoth. It's a little bit unintuitive, right? Like, why would the ability to draw three or six cards be on plan with, like, the deck's main strategy? So is the One Ring usually here as, like, a plan B? Like, oh, well, I'm, I am doing my main thing, but I also just have this broken... Is it broken? Like, this overpowered ability to draw a bunch of cards at once that 
you know, it doesn't matter to me whether it actually happens or not, but it's too powerful and I'm able to support it. So I'll put it in. Yeah, I think that's the general consensus at the moment is it's just like the best plan B card you could have. And for some of these decks, um, you know, Grinding Breach, if they make it past that that turn with that ring in play, once they're drawing three or four or five cards, uh, they're going to combo kill you. That's going to happen, right? Uh, all of a sudden, it is pushing the game towards ending very soon. Um, same with Yawgmoth, right? They, they uh, Summoning Sickness is not a problem for them. So they can just, you know, keep presenting a set of cards that are going to kill you over and over and over again uh, at increasing speed. Uh, they're going to keep hitting their land drops. They're going to keep drawing more cards. And so as the opponent, it's like, well, if I can't kill them very soon, um, this this game's going to get away from me. Uh, I think that's hmm. part of the reason why the four-color Omnath deck didn't do as well as people thought is that's a very reactive deck. They're not good at closing the game. And so, yes, you're provided with cards over and over and over again, but your opponent may be able to maneuver through those cards and just kill you. Uh, because they're all reactive rather than proactive. Um, if if you're if you're if you have the wrong set of cards, for example, grinding breach winning one of these tournaments makes complete sense to me because they've always had a good advantage against the Omnath deck because the Omnath decks furies and solitudes and and life gain from Omnath is of limited value when you just combo off and fast as Oracle. So it sounds like you're saying. Just to simplify things, if I imagine that the one ring draws me six cards, mm -hmm. you're saying that that effect is actually worth a lot more in a combo deck than in a, a slower mid-ranger control deck, because a combo deck will take those six cards and just end the game very quickly. Absolutely. And I would I would definitely say that that is, that is a reasonable way to look at it. Um, there are some examples of things like Green Tron, which, you know, it is a fast mana deck um, or a big mana deck or a ramp deck. I don't know how people exactly want to label it, but there are examples of decks like that being able to use the One Ring because, again, they're able to use it to both assemble their mana engine and then have threats that they can slam out turn after turn. But that's all like playing a big threat every turn is something that Green Tron was already reasonably good at. And they only need to do that for three or four turns to win, you know, most games. Um, sometimes they'll they'll stall after the second one. I don't know how much the one ring actually helps those decks because, you know, it's not like it's going to get them to the point where they're playing two eight mana spells very quickly. That takes a long time. So, and even if they could, like, a lot of the stuff they're playing, it's just like, what's the point of playing an all-is-dust and an Ugin? Like, they both are kind of doing the same-ish thing. So, um, I... I don't know how well it's going to stay in decks like that. We'll see. Right, and that's the next question, right? What does the future hold for the One Ring? To me, my sense is that we're still coming off the end of week one, still in the meme phase where people are just jamming it into everything they can, mm -hmm. often winning and definitely tweeting about it when they do win. So we're seeing, like, what did I see today? A Merfolk tribal deck. Yep. Excuse me. A Merfolk Typal deck with the One Ring that just 5-0'd. Uh, I saw a bizarre combo deck being proposed with this land called Magosi the Water Veil that lets you skip a turn to do some nonsense thing. I'm like, this is going to be paired with the One Ring. So it's unclear to me like how much of this is actually real and how much is... Uh, 
people just having fun with it. But like, what, what's your prediction for the future of the One Ring in modern specifically? Uh, well, we, we are also dealing with, and I don't know if it's been fixed yet. There was a patch on MTGO just today um, that you couldn't pithing needle the One Ring. So that was a weird thing. Uh, you could in Legacy, but not in Modern. <laughs> Somehow they screwed up the way they imported the the new list of um, of needle targets. Uh, so that's been an issue, I suppose. Um, and then just people adjusting cards. Um, it's funny. Young Dingo was even playing a copy of, I think it's called Cast Into the Fire, which is like a one and a red uh, exile target artifact, or it's like a fire effect. It deals like one damage to each right, of two right. creatures. So... People are beginning to think of adjusting um, their removal to be able to deal with the One Ring. Because a four-mana investment, it, I mean, if it draws you one card or zero cards and immediately leaves the battlefield, um, you know, then you get that invulnerability effect. But that's not a great trait. So I, I, my answer is I don't know. I don't know what the future of the One Ring is going to be. Uh, it certainly is all over the place as Oko was. But then Oko actually became problematic to the point of becoming banned um and i i could imagine a world where that happens with the one ring um it is certainly fairly powerful in that way but it is not like a self-contained win um you do actually have to have other things in your deck that that will take you to hmm. an end game so I, we're very much in a still in a time will tell place i think and there are plenty of great results from meta decks that could have been playing it that weren't Right. Um, it was the first weekend. I'm sure some people had card acquisition problems and they just said, you know what? I'm going to play the showcase challenge uh, without them. I saw a green Tron list that was either in the top eight or close to the top eight of the modern showcase challenge. No copies of the one ring found. Um, didn't need it. So uh, it will be interesting to see how that how that goes. Yeah. The Oko comparison. I haven't heard that one yet, but Oh, I have many times, but it's just the ubiquity, right? It's the fact that like there right. was a burn Oko deck, right? Someone just put Oko in burn, stretched it to two extra colors, got a five O, right? Um, it feels like this point there's there's a uh, kind of a bounty for like be the first one to five O with the ring in archetype X. Um, some people have had success with uh, what's it called? Red green like Ponza, but it's like that mm -hmm. that new red green mid range, whatever that was called. Um, mm. and uh, there was even one unfortunate soul who registered it in one of the challenges in Indomitable Creativity and went 3-4. Um, <laughs> I, I did see that. That was quite funny. Yeah, and my response to that was, I really hope they did that on purpose. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, that's a bad idea in your creativity deck because you're going to creativity into the one ring. Uh, you don't get a cast trigger that way. Uh, you can't creativity the one ring because it's indestructible. Like that doesn't work. You can't turn it into something else. So <laughs> I would assume they were doing it for the meme, but it was only one copy. So it was a little weird. It seems like maybe it was something that they thought was going to work out. Um, I don't know. Um, but that's the kind of thing where I would assume that at some point someone's going to be like, no, 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 I'm going to 5-0 with creativity with a copy of the One Ring just for the meme. And uh, so we're still in that that period, so it's hard to tell. Okay, so you're not taking the band talk too seriously. No, yet. not at all. No, no. I, I could see a world where it happens, right? But we're way too early on to be able to tell about that, right? Okay. I've Listen, I've lived through Modern Horizons 2, the Urza Saga, that was going to be banned. Uh, Oval Chase Daredevil was going to be banned, right? Because the food decks were too mm -hmm. good. Um, and uh, even cards that are still obnoxious to play against, like Ragavan, they're safe, you know? Relatively speaking. 
Okay. That's helpful to know, because the question on my mind is, these decks look kind of fun. Like, it looks fun to draw. It's really fun to play. Three, six cards. And I would like to maybe get some one rings in paper. Mm-hmm. The way to do that, the best way to do that right now is to buy this gift bundle. Not the gift bundle. The whatever they call the thing where you get a little box with eight set boosters. And this time it comes with four promo cards, Frodo, Sam, Gollum, and the one ring. And if you buy this from a soulless big box store or from your LGS, if they have them, uh, that's the most reliable way to get the one ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also available on, you know, secondary sites like TCG, but people there have figured out that because the one ring is also skyrocketing in price and paper that they can price gouge there a little bit more. Um, it's cheapest at, well, I, I hate to say it, but it's cheapest at target right now. So, <laughs> Yeah. If that's something you're interested in, go, go to your target or Walmart. We'll see what the future holds. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the ring is fabulously fun. I've enjoyed playing it in mono black coffers and I got a five Oh with, uh, it's a, a list I jokingly refer to as unholy Tron. Um, there was a player named Tron Walker who 5-0'd with this deck that looks a lot like Prison Tron, but a little bit like Eldrazi Tron, and it's not really anything, but it's uh, it worked. So um, feel, Very nice. feel free to give it. Yeah, well, feel free to give it a try in any build. My next thing to figure out is if there's a build of Prison Tron that plays it, because uh, traditionally that was a 4x Mystic Forge deck, and this kind of competes in the same space. So... Hmm. Um, we'll see if you can play both or if it's worth playing both. Um, I will say uh, One Ring is really good friends with Oblivion Stone. Um, if you can oh, have eight mana to just wipe your opponent's board and just sit there with your, your ring just hanging out. That's pretty sick. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're definitely going to keep an eye on the One Ring going forward, but we must shift gears now and focus on our brewing card of the day. A card that actually looks pretty good if everyone's casting four mana cards that draw a fresh hand. We're talking about Orcish Bowmasters. Zach, take me through the card. So this is Orcish Bowmasters, one in a black for a creature orc archer with flash. When Orcish Bowmasters enters the battlefield and whenever an opponent draws a card except the first one they draw in each of their draw steps, Orcish Bowmaster deals one damage to any target, then amass orcs one. So uh, <laughs> I love your note here. Creature types are useless. Uh, yeah, there, there's no typal payoff yet for uh, orcs. There is one for archers from like Lorwyn block, but it's not, mm. it's not worth uh, considering. I think it's in white. Might be white green, um, but you do get the trigger on ETB. Um, that is great for killing Ragavans and DRCs, Dragon Rage Chandlers, uh, some types of mana dorks, not the new one. Um, and this is the template that is found on Notion Thief, Hull Breacher, Chains of Mephistopheles, <laughs> Zyrus, the Writhing Store. Anyway, um, it basically this what what you can boil this down to is anytime your opponent draws a card other than that one from their draw step that they're supposed to draw. Anytime they take extra draws, this thing's going off. Um, in my uh, first reflections on the card, I thought, wow, this is just a house versus Burktide. Um, they play Mistress Baubles, and then they actually play things like Consider a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. um, The thing about Mistress Bauble is they'll set that up, and then you get to throw the Bowmaster in and get an extra ping, uh, or they'll cast their Consider, and you throw the Bowmaster in and get an extra ping. Um, 
And one of the surprising things to me, because you had a, a, one of your key questions here was, you know, you get that token and the way the, the mass mechanic works. Um, once you have your orc army, um, then it just keeps picking up the counters. Uh, I'm not a big fan of a mass as a mechanic uh, because it doesn't give you the option of going wide. And I really wish it did. Um, I know that they did that for, for very clear, good reasons. And I get it, but I, I just want what I want. And that's fine. But here's the thing. It actually closes games very quickly sometimes. If your opponent is playing cards that draw extra cards, um, amassing onto your now not summoning sick token repeatedly is kind of great. Um, it just starts, it can get very large very fast, especially if you end up with a double bow master draw. So amass says, if you don't control an army creature, create a zero zero black subtype army creature token choose an army creature you control put n plus one plus one counters on that creature if it isn't a subtype it becomes a subtype in addition to its other types now this little subtype thing is because originally it amassed zombie armies now they're saying you can amass anything any kind of army yeah. <laughs> so and because you now have two zombies and one orc standing together it's a zombie orc army yeah um, i can't wait for the construct army yeah, the only way to turn this into a wide board would be to somehow take away the army type, and I think you just can't do it. It's not worth doing. Uh, so. There's a weird commander card that someone was showing me where it's like a curse of something, and it's like enchanted players' creatures become like three threes with no creature types. Um, hmm. But I think that's a, a commander-exclusive card. So there are some weird things to do with it, and they are fairly powerful, um, but mostly I, I think they're not worth it in, uh, in Constructed Magic. So we know what the card does, but the question is, is the card any good? Um, and we can break this up into different parts, right? So starting with just the baseline stats, when you cast Orcish Bowmasters, you do get that ETB trigger. So you know that you're at least getting your 1-1 flash and your 1-1 Orc army token and one damage to any target. And I think you and Mord talked about this last week, but this is the best we've ever seen for this class of two drop that makes two bodies right oh yeah yeah absolutely uh eat your heart out resolute reinforcements but is that enough right is that two bodies and a ping enough if we never trigger it ever again no i i would say not uh if if this is a card that's never triggering it's not great um that said there are a number of decks in the mega game murktide was one of them that i mentioned living end is another one um that's going to build this thing very fast with all their cyclers mm -hmm. Um, so it has usages there, uh, and then anyone who's playing the one ring is putting themselves in bow master danger, and uh, you can die very quickly, or um, get your all your creatures mowed down, right? Yeah, you mentioned Ledger Shredder, that's something where you could force them to connive. Usually not a good idea, but if you really need an extra damage, uh, that, that is a thing that will come up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it did. I was playing a game where exactly that happened. Uh, due to their Ledger Shredder, my opponent helped me create, it was like a 7-7 seven, seven orc army that just killed them. So let's dig into the amass token a little bit here. So you're going to get your first game object, your 1-1 one, one orc army token. And game objects we've seen, they're very good. You could say they're almost worth a card, depending on how you build your deck. The second amass trigger, or the third or the fourth, right? you're going to be triggering the Bowmaster every time they draw a card. Um, that's adding 
plus one plus one counters to your existing tokens. So you're not going wide, you're going tall. Is it fair to say that each progressive counter is, is worth less than the one before? Or is there actually a point where the creature gets to a relevant size and it's now suddenly worth more? Yeah, I mean, I found that that, that was the case uh, in the couple of leagues that I played with it. Um, so eventually it just, it just becomes a fast clock. Um, and uh, for certain decks, it gets out of range of their removal. Uh, it just becomes problematic. Okay. So are we more interested in growing a big orc army or are we more interested in i don't know let's say getting rid of our one one or two two orc army triggering it again to get a fresh game object like some kind of sacrifice deck or a deck that, that makes use of the disposable token well i certainly haven't done it yet but then i didn't really think of it so uh, it certainly excites me uh finding a way to use that token uh, just makes it all the more powerful um, in, you know, a lot of scenarios. Uh, one of the decks that was doing well with it this weekend was Yogmoth, and I'm sure part of the reason was that body is uh, relevant for them, but also they can use it as, you know, fodder for Yogmoth drawing cards. Um, so, uh, right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that's the baseline. We put Orcish Bowmasters into our deck. We get something, and depending on what our opponent is playing, they may trigger it some amount of time, and we figure out you know, how much we benefit from that. I guess the next step, and this is where the card becomes more of a, a enticing brewing target, is do we want to guarantee extra triggers by forcing our opponent to draw? I know I do. Okay, you want to, but is this a good idea, or is this just suicide, given the current state of modern? And to be clear, the cards that can do this, there's actually not that many of them. Uh, we're talking about cards like Burning Inquiry. Each player draws three, discards three. Uh, bigger versions of the, the Wheel effect, so Wheel of Fate, Reforge the Soul. You talked to me about the card, excuse me, you show me a deck with a card Dark Deal, which is a three-mana version of this effect in black. Anything else in this space? Like, what else should we be looking at here? Oh, well, it looks like you pulled up one called Whispering Madness, which I don't uh, know quite too well. But this is, oh, man, two blue-black sorcery. Each player discards his or her hand, then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards that player or a player discarded this way. Oh, that's that's wild. And it has Cypher. <laughs> well, you can Cypher onto your Bowmasters. So, uh <laughs> It's a four mana windfall with Cypher. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, so some of these are really weak. However, some of them uh, have been in you know successful ish fringe ish decks. Um, Days undoing is certainly not exciting to me at all um, for the specific reason that you won't get any of your Bowmaster triggers um, unless you're also playing <laughs> it with Teferi, which that seems a bit ridiculous. But I, I guess you might. That's such a bummer too. Yeah, because that'd be so sweet. Yeah, you need to it's use such a the, clean time twister. You need to use the um, Modern Horizons wheel. That's uh, six mana to play uh, Echo of Aeons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one will work. And that's maybe worth exploring. I haven't really thought about that yet, but that card does exist. Mm -hmm. It does what we want. Um, what else is there? Collective Defiance. Yes. There's Gaia Reach Sanitarium. Yep. You know, if you've explored the Narset space in Pioneer you kind of have one sense of how that package might look. Yes. Uh, some of these cards are modern only, like Burning Inquiry, 
Wheel of Fate, etc. Okay, well, we'll definitely see some of that in some of the decks we're going to talk about. I guess the last thing to flag is there, there are some other specifically weird synergies. Uh, for example, Bowmasters has Flash, and you and Mord last week talked about the Flash deck with Slitherwisp and Aaron Tangiata. Bowmasters does damage that could be improved, right? You could give it the Bowmaster Death Touch, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah. There's a card called the Death Dweller that does that. Um, there's also a very bizarre specific combo with the card Flump, which I will not explain right now, but maybe if there's time, I will <laughs> explain the, the Flump combo with Bowmasters. <laughs> that's fresh out of the Faithless Brewing Discord. Just genius stuff. Um, so that's what we're looking at here. We have, on the one hand, like the baseline regular use of the card, but then we can progressively increase the synergy by asking for more. Like, do we want to use the extra body? Do we want to use the... Do we want to get extra triggers? And do we want to go super crazy with very specific synergies? So with that in mind, let's take a look at some decks. Zach, you were kind enough to gather and harvest many of these decks, and I've arranged them in order of increasing synergy. So starting at the low end with no synergy, going all the way up to, you know, the full-on Narset combo decks. Yeah, and you'll notice that all of these ones uh, on the on the first mentions are played by some real expert players, um, either at their their archetype or. Um, just ex expert players in general. So um, first off, we've got Rakdos Midrange uh, or or Black Red Scam or whatever you want to call this deck. Um, it's playing some Bowmasters with no synergy at all. There's a Gorios Through the Breach deck, Esper Gorios Through the Breach, uh, that was uh, trophied by uh, Gabriel Nassif, obvious like Hall of Fame player. Um, Bowmasters in there, no synergy for that, although there are four copies of Sauron's ransom which uh you are apparently excited to see that card popping up uh dan this is a theory we talked about before if there's an existing effect that's fine or pretty good or has been good in the past and they'd give us that effect at cheaper than we've ever seen it we should at least try it mm -hmm. so the previous version of sauron's ransom cost four that was factor fiction that was the other one from eldritch moon that i still can't think of the name yeah of. me neither uh but i know that yeah. mord explained to us how it was pointless <laughs> so now you take the effect down to three mana and let's just try it again let's just see if it's any good and i have not checked in with nasif to see what he thought of the card but he did get the 5-0 with four copies of sauron's ransom looks at your top four some of them end up in your hands some of them end up in your graveyard you can kind of control which and for a reanimator deck maybe that's good enough mm -hmm. uh, it is interesting to note that it's uh, competition in my mind is shadow prophecy uh, which does involve yes. you losing two life, so that's always been a ding against it, and also um, requires you to play a domain mana base. You'll see this deck is not. Um, so you end up with a lot less uh, incidental life loss in this deck, because one, you're not fetching constantly, and two, you're not losing life from your draw spell. Um, which in the current meta, or in many metas, is a big deal. Um, whenever I play the colorless Tron deck, it is amazing how many times that, like, realizing that it's, like, turn 7 or 8, and you're at 20 uh, in certain matchups where your life total is eventually going to be is relevant, it's it's nice. Um, fetch lands are obviously powerful and important, but there's a cost. I see you also have a black green rock deck so bowmasters elvish reclaimer tarmogoyf yeah and your favorite black green cards yeah my favorite black green card is urza saga 
um, in this deck. Uh, but but uh, <laughs> seriously, there was also another Golgari mid-range deck that 5-0'd, and that was not an Urza Saga version. So two very distinct versions, both playing Bowmasters. I, I didn't grab the other list, but uh, maybe you can even uh, get some uh, Grim Flayers in here, or maybe it's been ousted by the uh, Bowmasters. <laughs> so, Zach, what do you make of this? Like, Why, why are they playing Bowmasters? I mean, there's, these are all just... Yeah, I mean, these are all just reasonable modern decks. Um, Bowmaster doubles as, you know, its hosing thing, um, but also um, its removal. Um, and if you'll notice, uh, the first two of these decks, the, the Scam deck has the sort of Undying Malice Feign Death effects, um, mm-hmm. and Gorios Through the Breach is actually playing uh, Ephemerate. And I have seen both those things come up uh, it, with the Bowmaster. So people try to remove it or the player intentionally chooses a situation where they can flicker it to get an extra trigger, making their army bigger, doing an extra point of damage somewhere. Um, so there are some very, very low synergies there, but uh, synergies nonetheless. Um, the Golgaria aggro deck is, or the the rock deck that we're looking at here. Um, this is a deck that's going to do a lot of winning by beating down with Tarmogoyf, beating down with Urza Saga tokens. Well, there's nothing wrong with having uh, a nice, efficient two mana uh, card that can, you know, serve as pinging a planeswalker, pinging uh, an opponent opposing blocker, and uh, also putting two bodies into play. It would not surprise me at all if, in a few weeks' time, these decks are just not playing Bullmasters. No, me neither. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's uh, as long as. You know, as long as the ring is popular, I can see Bowmasters continuing to be played. Um, but uh, once, if that drops off, and I it may do, um, then I can see them doing the same. All right, so those are good stuff decks. Zero synergies with the Bowmasters. From there, we ramp up. The next level of synergy would be Flash. Low synergy, right? Where it's just a playable card that has Flash. <laughs> so let's put it in the Flash deck. Yep. You and more talked about this last week, but I'm, I'm curious if there's been any, any updates on this front. I mean, for me, I went and played the deck. Uh, I cannot play these decks to save my life. Uh, and I found Slither Wisp and Aaron and Giada incredibly frustrating, low-powered cards to play with. Um, I know that there are lots of people in our Discord who are more talented and and, uh, and experienced with playing these decks um, as, as is Mord. So uh, I, I seriously would, would really encourage people to defer to their expertise. And we have uh, one result here is a 4-1 from uh, Chat Nuga. Nuja? Nuga, probably. Um, and uh, this is just a nice-looking uh, four-color ephemerate uh, deck uh, with the flash uh, component. It's got Slitherwisp, Aaron Giara, uh, Ice Fang Kotal for the stretch into green, Orcish Bowmasters dressed down, and uh, we've got the new card. We mentioned it last time, Samwise the Stouthearted. This is a two-mana 2-1 two, with flash, and when it enters the battlefield, you can return a uh, permanent card that was put into your graveyard from the battlefield this turn from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, some disagreement in our Discord about specifically that card. There's a little cadre of players working on the flash archetype. Chattanooga, Dak Faden 07, who we had on the show a couple of months back, and Mord as well. Chattanooga said that Samwise has been actually very good. Uh, Dak Faden said it's been awful, completely unplayable. I'm not sure where Mord falls in this right now. I'm looking at his most recent version. He, he does have, looks like, two Samwise in his most recent version. But there's, you know, there's a few cards that 
I think are still being experimented with that are still open slots. Mm-hmm. Um, Omen of the Dead, I see a couple copies of that. I see more just trying Cunning Nightbonder. Um, there's some bit, been some discussion of maybe the four mana Urtai, Urtai Resurrected, which you can use to actually counter the evoke trigger. If you, you flash in the Solitude, flash in your Urtai, counter your sacrifice trigger and draw cards. That, that's kind of cute. Urtai also synergizes with the Bowmasters, forces your opponent to draw. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Get on their level, Dan. So I think these decks have not 5 would yet. I don't think so. But, no. uh, but they're getting there. It would not surprise me if they get there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then we also have a, a ver- version from Dak Faden here uh, with the very interesting difference, in my personal opinion, of including Grief. Uh, grief does not synergize in any way with the Flash um, archetype but it is uh just a powerful card to be playing um the fact that you have uh sometimes extra copies of slitherwisp uh or bowmasters um is you know something you can pitch at the grief and also this version is playing two copies of undying malice and two copies of malakir rebirth so leaning into some of the recursive cards that are featured in that rakdos deck um and these are all these are very, you know, uh, beneficial with all your ETB triggers that exist in this deck: Ice Fang, Kotal, Orcish Bowmasters, and then it's also nice to have a one mana card that insulates your card advantage engine, Aaron Giada and Slitherwisp. As much as I had problems with those cards, I think they are essential to a deck like this, being able to keep up with the format. Um, when you get into a mid range fight. Uh, you definitely need something like these cards that is able to draw you multiple cards over the course of a couple turns um, because your opponent is going to have something similar. Yeah, Deckfade in 07 loves putting little scam packages in. So the four ephemerates, that makes sense. You have so many flash creatures mm-hmm. with ETBs, but going harder with Undying Malice and Malika Rebirth. So that's like a, a major scam package with Grief and Solitude. That's one way to steal a win. And then the second way is just like Zach is saying, just stick a Slitherwisp or an Irinagiata and have it go unanswered and you'll just run away with the game that way. So I, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see what happens with this archetype. I will definitely keep you posted. And if you want to get in on that conversation come hop into our discord yeah so that is flash which i would call low synergy right they're not trying to do much with the bowmasters besides trigger your slither wisp and your errant and Giada. the next tier up medium synergy medium synergy here we're looking at the extra body so specifically the extra orc army using that in some way whether that's to sacrifice it or possibly even to convoke it and we can start here with the Yogmoth deck, the Zach uh, you were telling us about, the one that won the challenge over the weekend. Yeah, um, so you've got uh, your classic Yogmoth deck here. Um, so it's got some Yogmoths, it's got uh, Wall of Roots, it's got uh, um, Young Wolves, and um, uh, surprisingly no copies of Strangleroot Geist here. So uh, Bowmaster's definitely doing... Um, an interesting job replacing some of the elements uh, that these decks would normally lean on. I think part of that is also the fact that they're playing three copies of the one ring um, so that they can sort of depend on that draw engine um, so that they can find the cards that they need. Uh, Also no copies of Eldritch Evolution here. Um, These are deck building decisions that I just want to applaud Zerk for. This was some fearless deck building here. 
Uh, first weekend with new cards, four Delighted Halfling, uh, four Orcish Bowmasters, and three copies of the One Ring, and cutting what I think a lot of people would have thought of as pretty essential, uncuttable cards from the Yawgmoth deck. Um, and obviously being paid off well for it. Yeah, cutting Stranger Root Geist is super bold. Right. Because you think of that as it's not just two bodies to sacrifice, but it's part of the combo. Right? It's part of one of your winning board states with Yogmoth. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it makes Elvich Eldritch Evolution so powerful. What do you gain by cutting it? Well, you could argue that the Bowmasters gives you the same number of bodies, more even for your Court of Calling um, or for your Grist. It makes the mana slightly easier. Uh, so you can now play Delated Halfling, four copies here, and you know that that's not going to be as punishing, right? That doesn't really help you with Stranger Root Geist. Correct. But uh, it can certainly cast your Bowmasters with a colorless, and it can give you an uncounterable Yawgmoth, uncounterable Grist, uncounterable One Ring. Yep. Uh, Counter Magic was definitely one of the things that could really hurt a Yawgmoth deck. Um, and uh, that, uh, <laughs> that may not be the case uh, for the next little while. So then the three copies of One Ring, I guess you're just saying, forget Eldritch Evolution, I'll just draw a fresh hand and find my combo. I honestly think that that was their thought process as they were sort of experimenting with these cards. Um, I would guess they just found, like, Eldritch Evolution is sometimes a risky card against counter magic. It's not um, enhanced at all by the Delighted Halfling. It's sorcery compared to Court of Calling. It's just, uh, it is one of their more powerful but more risky cards, always has been, right? Um, getting blown out by a spell pierce mm. on your Eldritch Evolution where you need it is a way I've seen a lot of games go south for the Yogmoth deck. Um, and if they're considering cutting mm. Strangle Root Geist, which was the best card to Eldritch Evolution, um, you see that it all kind of comes together and it makes sense why they cut what they cut. Uh, and then, of course, the big selling point of Delighted Halfling, uh, not that that's the focus of right now, but is it is an unpingable bird. Um, you can see there's four Delighted Halflings and only three Ignoble Hierarchs. Survives Red and Six, survives Orcish Bowmasters. Yep. Good creature. Right, so Yawgmoth uses both the extra body to go wide with Convoke and an extra body to sacrifice to your Grist or your Yawgmoth. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, maybe you just are interested in sacrificing the extra body. And what's so interesting here is that, let's say I have a card like uh, Village Rights is the card that comes to mind, but, you know, Goblin Bombardment, let's say that. Um, Every time I get rid of my Orc army, that means I'm getting a whole fresh game object from the Bowmasters. So it doesn't just become adding extra power, but actually extra virtual card advantage. That's right. And so that's definitely something intriguing to explore. Absolutely. Um, I haven't seen this pop up too much, but of course you know how it is. If uh, someone starts streaming it or doing well with it, it may be everywhere all of a sudden, especially when it comes to Aspiring Spike, who is the person that uh, had this draft of uh, Black Red Sacrifice. I haven't seen this played yet. Uh, this is from his Twitter. I don't know if he actually played it yet, but it certainly is out there in the world. Um, so this is, again, as you mentioned, using Orcish Bowmasters um, with Village Rights and Goblin Barbarman in a shell um, that he's made successful before. Season Pyromancer giving you lots of bodies, blood gas coming back over and over out of the graveyard um, and pinging things. And then, of course, just playing powerful cards like Ragavan, Grief, and Fury. Um, there's even copies of Unlucky Witness in here. That's a uh, pioneer all-star from the Rakdos Sacrifice deck. Um, so I don't uh, yeah, I don't know what the overall sort of 
competitive nature of this deck is right now, but decks like this have been good in the past in modern. Um, interesting to see no copies of Mayhem Devil here. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Right? I guess, again, making room for more of a scam package. So yes. instead of Mayhem Devil going, going harder on the Grief and Feign Death yeah, and yeah. Malachir. That seems to be the case. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. I, I think I entirely missed the fact that there was a bunch of those scam cards in here. I do wonder if like there's more we can do in this go-wide space. Maybe that's specifically looking at Convoke. You know, I was attracted to some of these new Convoke cards. Uh, Pile On, Hoarding Broodlord is one that I kind of got my eye on. Or possibly just l- thinking of the recursion space where, you know, some of the cards that we've mentioned, like Burning Inquiry, um, they actually, they work really well with recursive creatures that can build out a wide board. Like that's, that's why Spike's Sacrifice decks always have Bloodgast. It's just one of the easiest ways to go wide is to have a, a Bloodgast that just keeps coming back from the graveyard. So maybe if we think of Burning Inquiry as like extra copies of Stitcher Supplier or something, if, if you can <laughs> stretch your mind and just like make that equivalency, then there, there might be something else there that, you know, this little mini, mini package of Bowmasters plus Inquiry supports a go-wide deck. Um, something I'll have to noodle on more. I don't have a list to propose yet, but uh, that is what I would be looking at in the go-wide space. All right, so that's medium synergy at the highest tier, right? The, the, the galaxy brain is gradually expanding. <laughs> the highest tier of synergy is we're looking specifically at that really unique trigger. Whenever your opponent draws bonus cards, you get to do this MS thing and deal extra damage. Mm-hmm. Could we or should we, do we dare force the opponent to draw cards? And what would that look like? Yeah. Um, this first deck was uh, something that I found and immediately kind of tickled my fancy um, because it's featuring a card that I did not know existed. Um, and it seems like one of the best possible ways to play with the Bowmaster because uh, it's kind of low risk, high reward. Uh, that card is Dark Deal. So, Tuna Black, each player discards all the cards in his or her hand, then draws that many minus. One. So the reason that I like this a lot more than something like Days Undoing, which the deck is playing in two copies, is that if they remove your Bowmaster or your Narset in response, uh, it's not a disaster scenario where suddenly they have seven fresh cards and you spent three mana and uh, and played a Bowmasters just to hand that to them. Okay, so you're you're thinking it's safer than Days Undoing. It is definitely card disadvantage, right? Like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So each player discards and draws, but you're just you're just down a card from this right. operation. And you're down another card because each player is uh, drawing that many cards minus one. So uh, when you put this card on the stack, uh, let's say your opponent has four cards in hand, you have three cards in hand. Those numbers are now going to be three and two when this resolves. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, it gives you that powerful uh, payoff if you have an Orcish Bowmasters, um, and it sets their hand to uh, a single card if you have an R-set. I'm amazed that this deck managed to make top 16 in a challenge. Yeah, it looks wild, <laughs> Kudos right? to uh, the player, MTGO user, what up? Yep, <laughs> great, great screen name. <laughs> playing Snapcaster top Mage, 16. playing Subtlety, playing Force Negation, so not surprised to see a bunch of pitch spells here. This is a blue-black Urza Saga deck. Uh, without Emery... It's only ha- got four artifacts in it, but four copies of Urza Saga. Um, 
And it's got two copies of Rise and Shine. For those who have not seen this card, it's uh, one and a blue, and it makes uh, a non-creature artifact you control into a zero zero, and then puts four plus one plus one counters on it. Or uh, you can overload it, uh, and I think that costs like five, uh, six, six, yeah. And that makes all non-creature artifacts you control into four fours. Um, which is weird until you realize that they're playing uh, two Dark Steel Citadel and four Mist Vault Bridge um, in their mana base. So you can either do this in the early ish game um, to have an indestructible 4 4, or in the late game, I assume it's maybe something you might do where you boot up all your spell bombs and your pitting needle and your shadow spear uh and you go to town on your opponent notably it doesn't put any counters on your saga tokens so that's not a thing um because there are <laughs> there are the creatures it, it seems wild to me i can't believe that yeah. this couldn't be replaced by something better in this deck um the scissors strategy as i think of it um what, what's the name of the card <laughs> In soul it's soul artifact. artifact that has not been a thing in modern forever certainly not in the solitude uh era but i mean i'm i'm really excited i want to play this later today and see see what what what's going on here because it's it's intriguing the whole package here is intriguing you want to see what up with what this up deck. with the what up <laughs> what up that's right what up with the rise and shines i would just suggest cutting those and replacing them with Literally, Literally anything else. Yeah, exactly. I, I actually find it weirdly encouraging because the artifact angle can't possibly be, be correct. Yeah. And yet, despite I, that, they did well. I don't think <laughs> you have to play Urza Saga in this deck and you might be paid off better by just like um, playing more control cards. Uh, you would actually be able to fit in a, copper, a copy of Gyre Reach Sanitarium, um, mm-hmm. which has always been a staple of these Narset decks. Um, there's plenty mm-hmm. of decks in the format that will get their hand low on their own they'll just be vomiting out cards and that narset lock can really come in fast and just shut them down um it also isn't something that has to be exclusively blue black at that point too you could play esper you could play teferi time raveler you could play uh prismatic endings or leyline bindings or what have you so there's there's plenty of ways to build this kind of deck if this kind of synergy is worth so dark deal pretty good with bowmasters very good with Narset Parter Avails. So that, that's what we're trying to do in this deck. Four Bowmasters, four Narset Parter Avails. So just pursuing this Dark Deal Bowmasters line of thought. If we like that, right, then we're going to go looking for more ways to make draw discard happen. And the best card, by far, most efficient card for doing this is Burning Inquiry. Single red sorcery. Each player draws three, discards three at random. Traditionally, if you're playing Bird Inquiry, you would go one of two directions. You would either go for Hollow One, because that's exactly enough cards discarded to cast a Hollow One for free. Then you might pair it with the Goblin Lore or something like that. Or you would go with Waste Knots, podcast favorite, brewing favorite, <laughs> a card that triggers off your opponent discarding cards. And you, you might think, okay, well, Waste Knot triggers off my opponent discarding. Bowmaster triggers off my opponent drawing. Maybe there's something there. Maybe I just find all the cards that discard draw and build a deck in that space. 
let's start with the hollow one because this is something i know you've been thinking about Zach. yeah uh, and i was uh i was personally leaving the space for dylan cruzy to pop out with the uh appropriate um uh deck for mm-hmm. for a uh, waste not so i have two very 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 loose sketches here and, and i was really hoping for your input so i'm glad we got together to do this so uh we're talking hollow one we're talking vengevine we're talking hollow vine here off the top so uh bowmasters is a creature so it will uh lead uh towards your vengevine trigger so it is a two mana creature which is not cheap but uh the first idea for a, a reasonable shell that i was thinking of is um you're playing asmo uh, with the Underworld Cookbook um, for the specific reason that this gives you a kind of okay set of interaction for free uh, alongside your um, hollow one. And then also uh, a way to discard an extra card that is fairly cheap and effective. Um, so you can reduce the, the cost of your hollow one by, by an extra two uh, sort of at, at will. Um, but then it also uh, gives you a place to dump your Blazing Root Wallas, which are usually worth playing with cards like Burning Inquiry, and they would be worth playing with Dark Deal. Um, so this is just all four of uh, Asmar and Omartika Dyson, the Kuldakar, Blazing Root Walla, Burning Inquiry, Underworld Cookbook, Orcish Bowmasters, Dark Deal, Vengevine, and Hollow One. And uh, you made a great mention that um, Street Wraith should probably be in here um, for these kind mm. of, you know, uh, let's just slam a bunch of stuff on the board as fast as possible in the early turns, and especially it helps uh, enable your Asmo. You could have some copies of Oval Chase Daredevil in this deck, but I think that that's going in the wrong direction. That That's kind of assuming the game's going to go a little bit longer than you'd want it to. But if you were going to play an Urza Saga package, then that's not a bad thing to have in here. Uh, and my question for you, Dan, is you're more of a Vengevine expert than me. So what what is the, I don't know, potential uh, cards that we could fill in the rest of this with? It's a very tricky, tricky task, Zach. So what I like is you're identifying that Bowmasters and Inquiry could pair really well together. And Inquiry and Hollow One has classically been a good pairing but if you remove inquiry from that equation, there's actually nothing at all that connects the Bowmaster to the Hollow One. So four burning inquiry just isn't enough. Adding Goblin Lore helps the Hollow One, but does not help the Bowmaster. So zeroing in on Dark Deal specifically as, as a card that works with both, that's actually extremely clever and gives me some hope. It's tricky because you can't really plan around Dark Deal. Like if you you just you have to discard your entire hand. So. <laughs> You just hope you draw a hollow one after it, but you you have no way to guarantee that. Um, I think, having said that, the actual biggest problem is something that I credit Dak Faden 07 for discovering, because he plays a ton of hollow vine. And he found that it's actually Asmo and Cookbook that really let the archetype down. Like They seem like they'd be a natural fit. Cookbook lets you cast your Blazing Rip Wall as instant speed, lets you discard Venge Vines, can cheapen your hollow one, but it's just, it's just not good enough of a card to really justify playing a lot of copies. Asmo, similarly, seems like we have enough to support it, but actually, once you really dig into the numbers, you're, you're always like hovering right at the threshold of just not having quite enough. So you end up with this problem that's like, it's not knuckleheads, but uh, they're almost like they're, they're divas. There are too many divas in the deck. Like They each have their very specific requirements. <laughs> like Asmo only can be played on certain turns where you did the discard thing, and Hollow One is similar. you got to have discarded three. Vengevine similar. So 
there's just too many requirements to manage. I think this would be like a nightmarish band to manage. I don't know if you. Oh, I've been there. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's a great way to summarize it. It's uh, kind of um, the the classic problem I think that Damon always had with uh, double combo decks is it's like you've got two entirely disparate sets of combo pieces that aren't great in their own little package and don't support each other, right? Um, just hanging out next to each other. Uh, so I could I could see that being a problem. So if you did cut the Asmo in the cookbook, what would be the replacement card? Is we talking Flameblade Adepts? Are we talking... What, what are we talking? Yeah, Flameblade Adepts would, would certainly follow the path that Dak Faden has, has charted. You're saying play it more aggro, give yourself more roots to just apply pressure, steal the game quickly. But then you end up playing with probably goblin lore you end up probably having to over support the hollow one and really under support the bowmasters you, you'd be relying on the bowmaster to just be a, a strong aggro card by itself which maybe it is maybe it's not i think you should try it that that would probably be a pretty solid shell the direction i was thinking like when you first showed me this shell is actually okay if i'm playing inquiry and dark deal both of those involve rummaging essentially or looting and maybe I just want to use it in a, in a slower shell with like Ren and Six comes to mind. Um, just like fill up my hand with junk and <laughs> draw and discard it. Like in a weird way, I was talking with Lawson and Zandy about this a couple months ago. Like the specific pairing of Ren and Six with like Hedron Crab and like Teamer Hollowvine, I think it's very underexplored. Like the ability to just like hit land drops every turn, to have extra cards in your hand every time you cast a Burning Inquiry. That seems like it could be very powerful. So I, I wonder what would happen if you just said, okay, I'm also playing four red and six. Where do I go from there? Do I slow the deck down? Um, maybe do I do I look into Teamer and get those crabs in? Although that becomes four color now when you're also playing black for Bowmasters and Dark Deal. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many different way, directions to take this, right? And I'm just glad we have uh, your wealth of experience and, and knowledge to uh, guide us to the, some of the right cards. Oh, I have no experience and minimal knowledge. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> didn't, didn't you literally write an article that's like, I went to compete with Hollow uh, Crabvine and all I got was this freaking tournament report? Well, that was Crabvine without the Hollow Ones. Hollow One just is such a frustrating Sure, tournament. but I think, they're, I, I think of them as adjacent. Like, these are very mulligan-heavy, um, very proactive decks um kind of fall into that like serum powder uh eldrazi kind of uh world very much so especially the second one you've sketched out here so the second sketch you have is again trying to explore a dark deal but now specifically looking more like more like a salty crab vine deck right so you're, you're thinking what about hedron crab and Venge vine that's super powerful pairing mm-hmm. can you fit in asmo cookbook Maybe, maybe. I mean, this is really intriguing. I have to think about this more. Well, it's it's not as uh, it's not as important without the hollow ones in my mind. It's just the baseline sketch that I had. But I'm glad it's uh, somewhat intriguing. Well, I love cutting hollow one. I think hollow one just 
He's let me down so many times. <laughs> no, and it's certainly a card that um, you just get a lot of situations where you'll you'll do some kind of wheeling effect or something like that or, or what have you, and you'll end up with like two hollow ones in your hand that cost one and no mana. Or, you know, it's just one of those things that like it is a very volatile card in a way that Vengevine has tended not to be. I think Vengevine has had a much more consistent, successful tournament record um, through throughout uh, modern mm. history i would say vengevine is the the clear winner of the two i'd like to think so but thinking about the sketch that you've started working on here what happens if we have Bowmasters, hedron crab and vengevine in the same deck with dark deal let's say that's the cards we know um you could try the asmo cookbook daredevil package and i, I think adding the daredevils makes sense here and it makes the dark deal more powerful like that free junk card. Right, right, to, to keep of. your hand full for it. It takes a lot of deck slots, and I wonder what would happen if instead of doing that package, you just looked more like classic Sultai Crabvine, mm -hmm. where there you're going to have Stitcher Supplier. And one thing that I've really been intrigued by is, okay, that deck has a lot of extra bodies that don't do a whole lot, right? The the Crab just sits there. The Stitcher Supplier mostly sits there. The Narc Amoebas are not particularly useful. Mm -hmm. So you really are good at convoking. You're so good at convoking that I just wish there was a powerful convoke card to play. And I've been intrigued by a temporal, whatever that card is, the new one, <laughs> three and a blue. Been very intrigued by pile on, that's three and a black, destroy something, surveil two, surveil becomes very powerful in Saltai Crabvine. So if I take that instinct, combine Bowmasters, which is two bodies, no questions asked, Maybe also Dark Deal. Like, may maybe add the pylons and just see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it could be worth doing. Uh, temporal Cleansing, it looks like, is the card you were looking for. The yeah, owner of Target Nonland Permanent puts it into their library second from the top or on the bottom. And it's a good way to deal with the one ring. That's true. <laughs> Why didn't Frodo and Sam just do that? That would have been so much uh, easier than going all the way to Mordor. I mean, let's, let's not even get into that. All right, so that, that's one direction I might go with this. I guess the third place I might end up thinking about Dark Deal and Burning Inquiry specifically is they both support not just the Bowmasters, but also Waste Not. Mm -hmm. And what, what would you do if you said, okay, I've got enough here now to just really go hard on Waste Not. Dylan MTG is not here with us today, but channeling his spirit, what would he say? I, I suspect he might end up someplace like this Black Red list here, which uh, I just found from someone julian r it's more of a concept sketch we're playing for burning inquiry we're for playing for waste not we're playing for orcish orcish bowmasters i think we should also play dark deal um the julian r is playing collective defiance instead uh yeah maybe maybe that's the same i'm not i'm not sure um you surround that with your favorite black red card so it looks like you know ragavan probably sure Lightning Bolt, Thoughtseize, Fatal Push. Why not? The questions become, how many times do you want to cast Burning Inquiry? Like I said, it's, it's so efficient. It's really the best in class at this. So it's a good idea to give yourself the option to cast it more times. You can you can play Dreadheart Arcanist. Uh, this, this sketch is playing three Dreadheart Arcanists. Two Underworld Breach, another way to rebuy the Burning Inquiry. And when you look at you know what Wasteland decks have five over in the past, some play Arcanist, but the more recent ones just play Breach. 
So that, that's your way to get the most out of Burning Inquiry. Adding either the Dark Deal or the Collective Defiance to that mix will make the Bowmasters more reliable, but it's also possible that Bowmasters is just strong enough on its own, doesn't need the extra help. When I see some of the card choices here, I think, man, this really feels like it should be playing Dragon's Raids Channeler and Mistress mm-hmm. Bobble alongside the Breach. That just seems like a slam dunk to me that would mm, love that. would push this into a really higher like you know people can have whatever opinions about those cards or, or but i if you ask your uh, ask yourself the question what would aspiring spike do when you're looking at this deck uh, i think you wouldn't be led wrong towards a more competitive deck by being like well drc and bobble you already put the breach in there and it goes crazy with burning inquiry right um and if you have a bow masters in play it goes even more crazy Oh my gosh, that would be so sick. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I just, um, like. Bobble and Breach is such a great get out of jail free card um, where it's like sometimes you're in a mid range game and you're like kind of petering out and you're just like, oh, I've got a Breach and a Bobble. I, I guess I'll draw five cards. Um, and that'll, you know, reset you back into a game that you might have otherwise been uh, a little bit out of. That seems really powerful to me. So to make room for that, we probably trim some of the stuff like Turok. We trim some of the Collective Defiance. Probably trim. Call it Death Dweller. I don't think that's... Uh, I hate to see it go, but yeah, that, that specific synergy of Death Touch on Bowmaster is probably not worth it. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I see the I see what you're doing there, uh, Julian R. But I, I just, uh, you know, play probably play Unearth if you wanted to play a card like mm. that. Um, uh or or feign death or, or something of that nature right i would say yeah, yeah i agree but uh th- th- thank you for the sketch because this is really getting me cooking in a direction where i think this could be maybe even better than that blue black deck that we saw you know uh, it's just playing a higher density of proven powerful modern cards from the get-go maybe you're supposed to splash venom six into here yeah i guess you could i don't see enough synergy and i don't think stretching into the third color for ren and six helps you in this archetype but i could be wrong i could be wrong i think in that case you would want to play a slower deck than what this is Mm. and i think this is going to be able to really take people out of the game very aggressively i feel like taking a turn off would to play ren and six is just not as good as most of the stuff you're doing here but again could be wrong could be wrong um it's definitely a little bit better with the dark dark deal um than it is with collective defiance yeah. yeah for yeah. sure oh yeah okay so that's a somewhat known brewing space the last thing that i want to mention is <laughs> it's completely off the wall but it's it's so cute i gotta mention this this comes from i am the law in our faithless brewing discord <laughs> i woke up one morning to find a long discussion of flump combo in modern <laughs> flump combo <laughs> everyone's favorite jellyfish flump one on a white zero four jellyfish defender flying whenever flump is dealt damage you and target opponent each draw a card forcing the opponent to draw you say okay okay all right now we're cooking wait then the bow masters automatically pings it again so that makes each of if us draw want. a card again yeah again which triggers bow masters again which yeah. pings the flump again. Yeah, so yeah. Th- there is this 
there is this chain, right? We're going to start a chain with Flump yeah, yeah. and Bowmaster. What's going to happen? Well, unfortunately, Flump is going to die <laughs> after four pings. So you need a third piece to really make this go infinite. You need to somehow give the Flump indestructible. Yeah. Blacksmith skill, ephemeral shields, heroic intervention. These are your options. Surge of Salvation, unfortunately, doesn't work because it, it gives your flump protection from black, so you can no longer ping it. Yes. So we can't play that. <laughs> let's just... We can't play the best card? Oh, no. Well, let's play some other bad cards, I guess. We can play Blacksmith Skill. That, that's close enough. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's a very reasonable card. I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw that one. Uh, yeah. Okay. So now what's so, happening? What, what's going on? I've got Worldmasters, Flump, and Blacksmith Skill. Well, you, you do get an infinite size, not an infinite size. Uh, the, so the finite constraint of this combo is the deck size of both players. If your opponent has less cards than you, you just deck them. That's easy. Hmm. But if you have less cards than them, you have to make a uh, orc army token that is uh, as big as you want. Um, you can send the last ping at their face, uh, and then you can theoretically attack with a giant orc army. You could... Thassa's Oracle with this. I'm not thrilled by that idea, um, only because then you're in Esper and you're playing a lot of creatures. And uh, in my mind, the best place to go with this would be some kind of like black white scam shell, just because then you've got like solitude and grief to help you get to this combo. Um, I don't know, Dan. Maybe Abzan with some creature tutoring so that you don't have to play so many copies of Flump, maybe? Like, it's just like a backdoor way to win? Yeah. I was thinking, what if you played more Flumps? Like, what if you played Swans of Brynarkal with this? Oh, no! <laughs> and then you could play, like, Seismic Assault or just, like, Unholy Heat for, you know, oh, a quick God. shot of six cards off of Flump or Swans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, you can persist both Flump and Swans of Bryn Argyle. Mm -hmm. So if you have ways to discard or mill, like if you're playing the Dark Dealings, Dark Deal. Mm. I mean, no nothing that we've said so far sounds like it would work, but it's it's still just hilarious. Hey, but that blue-black deck worked, right? I mean, they they did very well. Um, <laughs> That's true. It, I, I, don't, I don't think that what we've proposed thus far is something that will you know necessarily do as well but uh you know flump being a two mana flying blocker uh that just hangs out and yes it draws your opponent's cards but it also draws you cards and you're a combo deck I, you know it's i've i've seen worst i have seen much worse and i've played much worse prepa uh, proposed combos i've played um really? uh yeah hibernation <laughs> alongside painter servant okay like, fair come enough, on. Fair that's enough. way worse than this true true this one at least neither of cards. those cards do anything <laughs> unless you're comboing essentially right um yeah no shout outs shout outs to <laughs> eye on the law for this combo um yeah there, there's more ways to yeah. kill you can play goblin bombardment just use the, the mass token you can draw into your own yeah, solitudes yeah, yeah. and yeah. draw into your ephemeris. there's there are there are too many directions to start building this uh yeah. i'm paralyzed by choice exactly. and therefore uh i will i will pass on uh, coming to any conclusions all right, so that that is perhaps the which which meme are we in? The galaxy brain, or are you like down in the bottom of the iceberg? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, we're gonna down find in out, the I icy guess. depths, down by the remains of the Titan submersible. There's the the flump Oker Spowmaster <laughs> combo. Yep. Okay, 
So that's Orchestra Bowmasters. I think that's all there is to say about Orchestra Bowmasters. I think that's all there is to say and more that didn't need to be said, but we did it anyway. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Zach. Uh, we're over time, but should we talk about Chrome Host just for a minute? We have okay, to. We to. So this has been put on the back burner so many times. Let's talk about your sweet baby boy, the Phyrexian Shark Chrome Host Seed Shark. So real quick, two and a blue, two, four flying Phyrexian Shark. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, incubate X, where X is that spell's mana value. There were uh, a number of decks that used this in Pioneer and even a couple in Modern, specifically with the card Leyline Binding. I think it's very popular. This is a very popular one-two punch. Mm-hmm. Um and, but you had an even more interesting idea. Uh, you called this Splinter Fin, mm-hmm. um, which is very cute um, and even so cute that there's already been a deck called that. Um, <laughs> it was a, it was a Merfolk self mill combo deck. True, true. Um, yeah, but uh, but I think yours is even better. So take me through what you're doing here because I'm seeing some crazy bananas cards uh, in this deck, and of course the aforementioned Leyline Binding. Okay, so Chrome Host Seed Shark was the first card we tackled from March of the Machines. We were all very excited about it. David tried it first in Pioneer and just had terrible results. He was extremely down on the card, I think unfairly so. But the, the piece of feedback that stuck was there's just no time to flip the small tokens. Small incubate tokens, almost useless, or he found them just to be very disappointing. So I said, okay, fair enough, fair enough. We, we had more ideas, right? We were, we were thinking about what about making large incubate tokens, like with Leyline Binding, or extremely, extremely large incubate tokens. And here we're going to modern because the biggest token you can make is with a shoal pitching a very high CMC card. So Shining Shoal pitching the Autothon Worm, Nourishing Shoal pitching Autothon Worm, or Sickening Shoal, the black one, pitching Shadow of Mortality. That gets you a spell, non-creature spell, X equals 15, triggers the Chrome Host Seed Shark, and you get a 17-17 Incubate token. It happens at flash speed. You can do it on their end step while you're tapped out. Go to your turn, untap, flip the Incubate token, and attack for mostly lethal, mostly. I just want to try this. You know, I've had this idea in my head for so long, and I finally got a chance to try it. It was actually pretty good, Zach. <laughs> like, it looks like it. I went three and two, and, you know, the first match was not promising. I just got picked apart by creativity. But after that, the deck started cooking, and I, I just, I screenshotted every time I did the thing, the Splinterfin thing, and it happened a bunch of times. So the way I built the deck is four Chrome Host Seed Shark, four Sickening Shoal, four Shadow of Mortality, you do need more high CMC stuff to pitch to the shoal. So I, I went with Murderous Cuts, three of those. That's like a Terminate with Delve. Dead Drop, 10 mana sorcery with Delve that forces the opponent to sack two creatures. I actually cast that a couple times. It was a lot better than I thought it would be. Shadow Prophecies, just to find these pieces while also being a black card to pitch uh, in a pinch. In order to make these cards not completely useless on their own, uh, we've seen that Shadow Mortality can be used with Sign of Draco to support, like, what we, we might call it a fair calibrated blast shell with, like, Witch's Cottage. So I had elements of that. I had four Scions, I had two calibrated blasts, and just the one Witch's Cottage. I, I didn't really go that hard on it. There are not that many ways to discard here to, like, specifically set up the Witch's Cottage, but, you know, maybe I'll want to fire off a blind calibrated blast some of the time and, and try to get lucky. 
which I did. And I also got unlucky a few times. So I'm, I'm not sure if that's like actually worth doing, but I did win some matches that way. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the shark thing was surprisingly great, right? Like Sickening Shoal was better than I thought it would be. You know, we, we know we like the Shining Shoal. We had Lawson Zandy on gushing about that after, you know, he played like 60 leagues or whatever with Shining Shoal decks. That's a known quantity, but Sickening Shoal is, is even more proactive than that. It doesn't require them to make the first move. All they have to do is just have a creature in play, and that's enough for me to fire off the Shoal for a tempo swing and when the Shark is in play for like a, a very nice-sized attacker. Did it with the Shadow a bunch of times for X equals 17. Also just did it with Murderous Cut for X equals 7, and that was good enough. You know, it stole a game where it looked like the burn player was going to kill me. Instead, I like tapped out, quote unquote, tapped out for the shark and still killed them on my next turn because I just played the free shoal, made a 7-7 and attack for lethal. So it really does work. It works. And I think there's actually more to explore in this vein. Yeah, I love I love it. I love seeing these results. I love seeing some of the plays, the way they went down. Um there, I don't think anyone in the world plays a solitude against your Chrome host Seed Shark and expects you to go, okay, uh, sickening shoal for uh, X equals 15. Mm-hmm. Here's my 1717. Slam you. <laughs> it's like they're tapping out for their solitude. And not, the only thing, like the literal only thing on my side of the board is a Seed Shark. So it looks like they're winning, but they're actually already dead. Like they don't know it, but I know that they're already <laughs> you dead. You are already dead. <laughs> like, yep, response, make a 1717. This this poor burn player, there's like a monastery sphere attacking you and they, they pinged your shark so it's going to die. And you're like, yeah, that's cute. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like this soul, the soul clears the way for the incubate token. So it, it's not a guaranteed kill. It's an almost kill. And some players did fight back, you know, like the hammer player used uh, March of Otherworld Light to kill my token. You know, a control player used, I forgot what they used. Some people chump blocked it. So it wasn't like an immediate kill. But it was problematic. I think I think the control player stole it with an Archimedes charm at one point, which was very annoying. But I still won that game. <laughs> still won the game. Oh, that's that's um, so good. That's because so the thing is the Chrome host Seed Shark. It's card advantage. It actually generates a lot of problematic permanence for them to deal with, and eventually mm-hmm. they just couldn't yeah. they couldn't keep up with that. So despite this being like a very very rough draft, probably misbuilt, I, I do feel like it was powerful. The black version was like better than I thought. I think the white version will also be good, so I, I am interested in exploring the Shining Shoal Autochthon Worm package. Uh, and maybe also just iterating again on the black one. I don't think we need necessarily the whole sign of Draco calibrated blast thing. Maybe it's mm. maybe it's more like, okay, let's make Shadow Mortality a little bit more of a real card. Let's play Street Wraith. Let's play Grief and just see where that takes us. Yeah, you could even play, um, I guess, Death Shadow here or something of that nature yeah exactly exactly like the shark you're already on four thoughtsies you know and we're playing shadow prophecy i mean because we're yep, because we we really want leyland bindings for the shark that that's like a core synergy that has to be there i think yeah, and it's just such a good card in the metagame right i mean it's yeah it's just like if you're gonna have a piece of removal why don't why don't make it leyland binding if you're already playing chromos sea shark exactly i mean binding is it's very similar to ochre's bullmasters in a way like it's a card that is just good enough on its own, solid on its own, but also has these extra little brewing spaces that you can explore. And I, I just, I love doing that. Right? You can go in with a little more confidence that the pieces you're brewing with don't suck. So <laughs> please don't suck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> please, please don't suck. 
Exactly. <laughs> Come on, Dark Deal. Help, help a brother out. <laughs> All right. So I just want to share an update on the shark. I think the shark has gotten a bad rap from David's initial negative results. It, like Zach said, it's been doing better. It's, it's finding homes. It's in the Doom Scar deck now in Pioneer. It's, it's in the five color good stuff, Bring to Light deck, which is, you know, it's finding more homes. And I think, I think it will actually turn out to be pretty good. All right, Zach. So that's plenty about Orcus Bowmasters, <laughs> plenty about the One Ring, and a little bonus stuff about Chrome Host Seed Shark. It's been fun. Um, what do you think you want to explore first? I think I'm going to load up this um, Waste Knot Bowmasters deck mm. and make some of the changes I propose the, uh, with uh, Dragon's Rage Chandler and Mistress Bobble alongside the Underworld Breach. That just seems like a good playable deck that also will have the upside of um playing uh the the collective defiance plus boardmaster package or uh bowmaster plus a dark deal mm -hmm. and then i also want to try the the blue black narset style deck um just to see how that works you got to it's definitely yeah it's gonna I, for me to go into any of these vengevine decks i'm definitely gonna need to feel like i've got a build that i'm happy with uh, i'm really glad that you pointed out to me that asmo may not be as much of a fit and uh and and introduce me to some of the um the way the, these decks are looking as of current for me i'll probably start with vengevine now that you've seeded the idea in my head and i i really want to explore that convoke space the go wide aspect of bowmasters i don't know where that will take me whether it's something more like a classic vengevine or something more like dedicated hoarding broodlord convoke i'm not sure we'll, we'll see but yeah bowmaster is just a very exciting piece gives us confidence. We can brew with confidence in our horrible, horrible <laughs> shells <laughs> that at least one of our cards is good. <laughs> yeah, uh, ho hoarding... What is it? Hoarding Broodlord? Yeah. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> that's... Uh, <laughs> what What the hell? Okay. All right. Um, um, uh, wow. That is a beast of a card. Well... That's very exciting. Well, I hope to see that in play in uh, the <laughs> screenshots uh, from the uh, next episode of Faithless Brewing. That's right. As ever, we will be reporting back on our results. So tune in next time. and uh, We'll see you then. Make sure to uh, keep your quivers stocked. Well said. All right. Thanks, Zach. Catch you later. Thanks for listening to this episode of Faithless Brewing. If you enjoyed this program, you can join our family at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. Your contributions help us bring you freshly brewed episodes every week, but they'll get you Discord access, show note access, merch, and so much more. That's all for today. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. I am the law in our Faithless Brewing Discord. <laughs> I woke up one morning to find... <laughs> oh, that's that's so good. That's so good. He knows what he's doing.